book twelve part one of laws by plato translated by benjamin jowett this librivox recording is in the public domain book twelve if a herald or an ambassador carry a false message from our city to any other or bring back a false message from the city to which he is sent or be proved to have brought back whether from friends or enemies in his capacity of herald or ambassador what they have never said let him be indicted for having violated contrary to the law the commands and duties imposed upon him by hermes and zeus and let there be a penalty fixed which he shall suffer or pay if he be convicted theft is a mean and robbery a shameless thing and none of the sons of zeus delight in fraud and violence or ever practised either wherefore let no one be deluded by poets or mythologers into a mistaken belief of such things nor let him suppose when he thieves or is guilty of violence that he is doing nothing base but only what the gods themselves do for such tales are untrue and improbable and he who steals or robs contrary to the law is never either a god or the son of a god of this the legislator ought to be better informed than all the poets put together happy is he and may he be for ever happy who is persuaded and listens to our words but he who disobeys shall have to contend against the following law if a man steal anything belonging to the public whether that which he steals be much or little he shall have the same punishment for he who steals a little steals with the same wish as he who steals much but with less power and he who takes up a greater amount not having deposited it is wholly unjust wherefore the law is not disposed to inflict a less penalty on the one than on the other because his theft is less but on the ground that the thief may possibly be in one case still curable and may in another case be incurable if any one convict in a court of law a stranger or a slave of a theft of public property let the court determine what punishment he shall suffer or what penalty he shall pay bearing in mind that he is probably not incurable but the citizen who has been brought up as our citizens will have been if he be found guilty of robbing his country by fraud or violence whether he be caught in the act or not shall be punished with death for he is incurable now for expeditions of war much consideration and many laws are required the great principle of all is that no one of either sex should be without a commander nor should the mind of any one be accustomed to do anything either in jest or earnest of his own motion but in war and in peace he should look to and follow his leader even in the least things being under his guidance for example he should stand or move or exercise or wash or take his meals or get up in the night to keep guard and deliver messages when he is bidden and in the hour of danger he should not pursue and not retreat except by order of his superior and in a word not teach the soul or accustom her to know or understand how to do anything apart from others of all soldiers the life should be always and in all things as far as possible in common and together 
there neither is nor ever will be a higher or better or more scientific principle than this for the attainment of salvation and victory in war and we ought in time of peace from youth upwards to practise this habit of commanding others and of being commanded by others anarchy should have no place in the life of man or of the beasts who are subject to man i may add that all dances ought to be performed with a view to military excellence and agility and ease should be cultivated for the same object and also endurance of the want of meats and drinks and of winter cold and summer heat and of hard couches and above all care should be taken not to destroy the peculiar qualities of the head and the feet by surrounding them with extraneous coverings and so hindering their natural growth of hair and soles for these are the extremities and of all the parts of the body whether they are preserved or not is of the greatest consequence the one is the servant of the whole body and the other the master in whom all the ruling senses are by nature set let the young men imagine that he hears in what has preceded the praises of the military life the law shall be as follows he shall serve in war who is on the roll or appointed to some special service and if any one is absent from cowardice and without the leave of the generals he shall be indicted before the military commanders for failure of service when the army comes home and the soldiers shall be his judges the heavy armed and the cavalry and the other arms of the service shall form separate courts and they shall bring the heavy armed before the heavy armed and the horsemen before the horsemen and the others in like manner before their peers and he who is found guilty shall never be allowed to compete for any prize of valour or indict another for not serving on an expedition or be an accuser at all in any military matters moreover the court shall further determine what punishment he shall suffer or what penalty he shall pay when the suits for failure of service are completed the leaders of the several kinds of troops shall again hold an assembly and they shall adjudge the prizes of valour and he who likes searching for judgment in his own branch of the service saying nothing about any former expedition nor producing any proof or witnesses to confirm his statement but speaking only of the present occasion the crown of victory shall be an olive wreath which the victor shall offer up at the temple of any war-god whom he likes adding an inscription for a testimony to lasting life that such an one has received the first the second or the third prize if any one goes on an expedition and returns home before the appointed time when the generals have not withdrawn the army he shall be indicted for desertion before the same persons who took cognizance of failure of service and if he be found guilty the same punishment shall be inflicted on him now every man who is engaged in any suit ought to be very careful of bringing false witness against any one either intentionally or unintentionally if he can help for justice is truly said to be an honourable maiden and falsehood is naturally repugnant to honour and justice 
a witness ought to be very careful not to sin against justice as for example in what relates to the throwing away of arms he must distinguish the throwing them away when necessary and not make that a reproach or bring an action against some innocent person on that account to make the distinction may be difficult but still the law must attempt to define the different kinds in some way let me endeavour to explain my meaning by an ancient tale if patroclus had been brought to the tent still alive but without his arms and this has happened to innumerable persons the original arms which the poet says were presented to peleus by the gods as a nuptial gift when he married thetis remaining in the hands of hector then the base spirits of that day might have reproached the son of menedius with having cast away his arms again there is the case of those who have been thrown down precipices and lost their arms and of those at sea and in stormy places have been suddenly overwhelmed by floods of water and there are numberless things of this kind which one might adduce by way of extenuation and with the view of justifying a misfortune which is easily misrepresented we must therefore endeavour to divide to the best of our power the greater and more serious evil from the lesser and a distinction may be drawn in the use of terms of reproach a man does not always deserve to be called the thrower away of his shield he may be only the loser of his arms for there is a great or rather absolute difference between him who is deprived of his arms by a sufficient force and him who voluntarily lets his shield go let the law then be as follows if a person having arms is overtaken by the enemy and does not turn round and defend himself but lets them go voluntarily or throws them away choosing a base life and a swift escape rather than a courageous and noble and blessed death in such a case of the throwing away of arms let justice be done but the judge need take no note of the case just now mentioned for the bad men ought always to be punished in the hope that he may be improved but not the unfortunate for there is no advantage in that and what shall be the punishment suited to him who has thrown away his weapons of defence tradition says that xenius the thessalian was changed by a god from a woman into a man but the converse miracle cannot now be wrought or no punishment would be more proper than that the man who throws away his shield should be changed into a woman this however is impossible and therefore let us make a law as nearly like this as we can that he who loves his life too well shall be in no danger for the remainder of his days but shall live for ever under the stigma of cowardice and let the law be in the following terms when a man is found guilty of disgracefully throwing away his arms in war no general or military officer shall allow him to serve as a soldier or give him any place at all in the ranks of soldiers and the officer who gives the coward any place shall suffer a penalty which the public examiner shall exact of him and if he be of the highest class he shall pay a thousand drachmae and if he be of the second class five minae or if he be of the third three minae or if he be of the fourth class one minae and he who is found guilty of cowardice shall not only be dismissed from manly dangers which is a disgrace appropriate to his nature but he shall pay a thousand drachmae 
if he be of the highest class and five minae if he be of the second class and three if he be of the third class and a mina like the preceding if he be of the fourth class what regulations will be proper about examiners seeing that some of our magistrates are elected by lot and for a year and some for a longer time and from selected persons of such magistrates who will be a sufficient censor or examiner if any of them weighed down by the pressure of office or his own inability to support the dignity of his office be guilty of any crooked practice it is by no means easy to find a magistrate who excels other magistrates in virtue but still we must endeavour to discover some censor or examiner who is more than man for the truth is that there are many elements of dissolution in a state as there are also in a ship or in an animal they all have their cords and girders and sinews one nature diffused in many places and called by many names and the officer of examiner is a most important element in the preservation and dissolution of states for if the examiners are better than the magistrates and their duty is fulfilled justly and without blame then the whole state and country flourishes and is happy but if the examination of the magistrates is carried on in a wrong way then by the relaxation of that justice which is the uniting principle of all constitutions every power in the state is rent asunder from every other they no longer incline in the same direction but fill the city with faction and make many cities out of one and soon bring all to destruction wherefore the examiners ought to be admirable in every sort of virtue let us invent a mode of creating them which shall be as follows every year after the summer solstice the whole city shall meet in the common precincts of helios and apollo and shall present to the god three men out of their own number in the manner following each citizen shall select not himself each citizen shall select not himself but some other citizen whom he deems in every way the best and who is not less than fifty years of age and out of the selected persons who have the greatest number of votes they shall make a further selection until they reduce them to one-half if they are an even number but if they are not an even number they shall subtract the one who has the smallest number of votes and make them an even number and then leave the half which have the greater number of votes and if two persons have an equal number of votes and thus increase the number beyond one half they shall withdraw the younger of the two and do away the excess and then including all the rest they shall again vote until there are left three having an unequal number of votes but if all the three or two out of the three have equal votes let them commit the election to good fate and fortune and separate off by lot the first and the second and the third these they shall crown with an olive wreath and give them the prize of excellence at the same time proclaiming to all the world that the city of the magnetes by the providence of the gods is again preserved and presents to the sun and to apollo her three best men as first-fruits to be a common offering to them according to the ancient law as long as their lives answer to the judgment formed of them and these shall appoint in their first year twelve examiners to continue until each has completed seventy-five years to whom three shall afterwards be added yearly 
and let these divide all the magistracies into twelve parts and prove the holders of them by every sort of test to which a free man may be subjected and let them live while they hold office in the precinct of helios and apollo in which they were chosen and let each one form a judgment of some things individually and of others in company with his colleagues and let him place a writing in the agora about each magistracy and what the magistrate ought to suffer or pay according to the decision of the examiners and if a magistrate does not admit that he has been justly judged let him bring the examiners before the select judges and if he be acquitted by their decision let him if he will accuse the examiners themselves if however he be convicted and have been condemned to death by the examiners let him die and of course he can only die once but any other penalties which admit of being doubled let him suffer twice over and now let us pass under review the examiners themselves what will their examination be and how conducted during the life of these men whom the whole state counts worthy of the rewards of virtue they shall have the first seat at all public assemblies and at all hellenic sacrifices and sacred missions and other public and holy ceremonies in which they share the chiefs of each sacred mission shall be selected from them and they only of all the citizens shall be adorned with a crown of laurel they shall all be priests of apollo and helios and one of them who is judged first of the priests created in that year shall be high priest and they shall write up his name in each year to be a measure of time as long as the city lasts and after their death they shall be laid out and carried to the grave and entombed in a manner different from the other citizens they shall be decked in a robe all of white and there shall be no crying or lamentation over them but a chorus of fifteen maidens and another of boys shall stand around the bier on either side hymning the praises of the departed priests in alternate responses declaring their blessedness in song all day long and at dawn a hundred of the youths who practise gymnastic exercises and whom the relations of the departed shall choose shall carry the bier to the sepulchre the young men marching first dressed in the garb of warriors the cavalry with their horses the heavy armed with their arms and the others in like manner and boys near the bier and in front of it shall sing their national hymn and maidens shall follow behind and with them the women who have passed the age of childbearing next although they are interdicted from other burials let priests and priestesses follow unless the pythian oracle forbid them for this burial is free from pollution the place of burial shall be an oblong vaulted chamber underground constructed of tufa which will last for ever having stone couches placed side by side and here they will lay the blessed person and cover the sepulchre with a circular mound of earth and plant a grove of trees around on every side but one and on that side the sepulchre shall be allowed to extend for ever and a new mound will not be required every year they shall have contests in music in gymnastics and in horsemanship in honour of the dead these are the honours which shall be given to those who at the examination are found blameless but if any of them trusting to the scrutiny being over should after the judgment has been given manifest the wickedness of human nature let the law ordain that he who pleases shall indict him 
and let the cause be tried in the following manner in the first place the court shall be composed of the guardians of the law and to them the surviving examiner shall be added as well as the court of select judges and let the pursuer lay his indictment in this form he shall say that so-and-so is unworthy of the prize of virtue and of his office and if the defendant be convinced let him be deprived of his office and of the burial and of the other honours given him but if the prosecutor does not obtain the fifth part of the votes let him if he be of the first class pay twelve minae and eight if he be of the second class and six if he be of the third class and two minae if he be of the fourth class the so-called decision of radamanthus is worthy of all admiration he knew that the men of his own time believed and had no doubt that there were gods which was a reasonable belief in those days because most men were the sons of gods and according to tradition he was one himself he appears to have thought that he ought to commit judgment to no man but to the gods only and in this way suits were simply and speedily decided by him for he made the two parties take an oath respecting the points in dispute and so got rid of the matter speedily and safely but now that a certain portion of mankind do not believe at all in the existence of the gods and others imagine that they have no care of us and the opinion of most men and of the worst men is that in return for a small sacrifice and a few flattering words they will be their accomplices in purloining large sums and save them from many terrible punishments the way of radamanthus is no longer suited to the needs of justice for as the opinions of men about the gods are changed the laws should also be changed in the granting of suits a rational legislation ought to do away with the oaths of the parties on either side he who obtains leave to bring an action should write down the charges but should not add an oath and the defendant in like manner should give his denial to the magistrates in writing and not swear for it is a dreadful thing to know when many lawsuits are going on in a state that almost half the people who meet one another quite unconcernedly at the public meals and in other companies and relations of private life are perjured let the law then be as follows a judge who is about to give judgment shall take an oath and he who is choosing magistrates for the state shall either vote on oath or with a voting tablet which he brings from a temple so to the judge of dances and of all music and the superintendents and umpires of gymnastic and equestrian contests and any matters in which as far as men can judge there is nothing to be gained by a false oath but all cases in which a denial confirmed by an oath clearly results in a great advantage to the taker of the oath shall be decided without the oath of the parties to the suit and the presiding judges shall not permit either of them to use an oath for the sake of persuading nor to call down curses on himself and his race nor to use unseemly supplications or womanish laments but they shall ever be teaching and learning what is just in auspicious words and he who does otherwise shall be supposed to speak beside the point and the judges shall again bring him back to the question at issue on the other hand strangers in their dealings with strangers shall as at present have power to give and receive oaths for they will not often grow old in the city or leave a fry of young ones like themselves to be the sons and heirs of the land as to the initiation of private suits let the manner of deciding causes between all citizens be the same as in cases in which any free man is disobedient to the state in minor matters of which the penalty is not stripes imprisonment or death 
but as regards attendance at courses or processions or other shows and as regards public services whether the celebration of sacrifice in peace or the payment of contributions in war in all these cases first comes the necessity of providing a remedy for the loss and by those who will not obey there shall be security given to the officers whom the city and the law empower to exact the sum due and if they forfeit their security let the goods which they have pledged be sold and the money given to the city but if they ought to pay a larger sum the several magistrates shall impose upon the disobedient a suitable penalty and bring them before the court until they are willing to do what they are ordered now a state which makes money from the cultivation of the soil only and has no foreign trade must consider what it will do about the emigration of its own people to other countries and the reception of strangers from elsewhere about these matters the legislator has to consider and he will begin by trying to persuade men as far as he can the intercourse of cities with one another is apt to create a confusion of manners strangers are always suggesting novelties to strangers when states are well governed by good laws the mixture causes the greatest possible injury but seeing that most cities are the reverse of well-ordered the confusion which arises in them from the reception of strangers and from the citizens themselves rushing off into other cities when any one either young or old desires to travel anywhere abroad at whatever time is of no consequence on the other hand the refusal of states to receive others and for their own citizens never to go to other places is an utter impossibility and to the rest of the world is likely to appear ruthless and uncivilized it is a practice adopted by people who use harsh words such as xenolasia or banishment of strangers and who have harsh and morose ways as men think and to be thought or not to be thought well of by the rest of the world is no light matter for the many are not so far wrong in their judgment of who are bad and who are good as they are removed from the nature of virtue in themselves even bad men have a divine instinct which guesses rightly and very many who are utterly depraved form correct notions and judgments of the differences between the good and bad and the generality of cities are quite right in exhorting us to value a good reputation in the world for there is no truth greater and more important than this that he who is really good i am speaking of the men who would be perfect seeks for reputation with but not without the reality of goodness and our cretan colony ought also to acquire the fairest and noblest reputation for virtue from other men and there is every reason to expect that if the reality answers to the idea she will be one of the few well-ordered cities which the sun and the other gods behold wherefore in the matter of journeys to other countries and the reception of strangers we enact as follows in the first place let no one be allowed to go anywhere at all into a foreign country who is less than forty years of age and no one shall go in a private capacity but only in some public one as a herald or on an embassy or on a sacred mission going abroad on an expedition or in war is not to be included among travels of the class authorized by the state to apollo at delphi and to zeus at olympia and to nemea and to the isthmus citizens should be sent to take part in the sacrifices and games 
there dedicated to the gods and they should send as many as possible and the best and fairest that can be found and they will make the city renowned at holy meetings in time of peace procuring a glory which shall be the converse of that which is gained in war and when they come home they shall teach the young that the institutions of other states are inferior to their own and they shall send spectators of another sort if they have the consent of the guardians being such citizens as desire to look a little more at leisure at the doings of other men and these no law shall hinder for a city which has no experience of good and bad men or intercourse with them can never be thoroughly and perfectly civilized nor again can the citizens of a city properly observe the laws by habit only and without an intelligent understanding of them and there always are in the world a few inspired men whose acquaintance is beyond price and who spring up quite as much in ill-ordered as in well-ordered cities these are they whom the citizens of a well-ordered city should be ever seeking out going forth over sea and over land to find him who is incorruptible that he may establish more firmly institutions in his own state which are good already and amend what is deficient for without this examination and inquiry a city will never continue perfect any more than if the examination is ill-conducted cleinias how can we have an examination and also a good one athenian in this way in the first place our spectator shall be of not less than fifty years of age he must be a man of reputation especially in war if he is to exhibit to other cities a model of the guardians of the law but when he is more than sixty years of age he shall no longer continue in his office of spectator and when he has carried on his inspection during as many out of the ten years of his office as he pleases on his return home let him go to the assembly of those who reviewed the laws this shall be a mixed body of young and old men who shall be required to meet daily between the hour of dawn and the rising of the sun they shall consist in the first place of the priests who have obtained the rewards of virtue and in the second place of guardians of the law the ten eldest being chosen the general superintendent of education shall also be a member as well as the last appointed as those who have been released from the office and each of them shall take with him as his companion a young man whomsoever he chooses between the ages of thirty and forty these shall be always holding conversation and discourse about the laws of their own city or about any specially good ones which they may hear to be existing elsewhere also about kinds of knowledge which may appear to be of use and will throw light upon the examination or of which the want will make the subject of laws dark and uncertain to them any knowledge of this sort which the elders approve the younger men shall learn with all diligence and if any one of those who have been invited appear to be unworthy the whole assembly shall blame him who invited him the rest of the city shall watch over those among the young men who distinguish themselves having an eye upon them and especially honouring them if they succeed but dishonouring them above the rest if they turn out to be inferior this is the assembly to which he who has visited the institutions of other men on his return home shall straightway go and if he have discovered any one who has anything to say about the enactment of laws or education or nurture or if he have himself made any observations let him communicate his discoveries to the whole assembly and if he be seen to have come home neither better nor worse let him be praised at any rate for his enthusiasm 
and if he be much better let him be praised so much the more and not only while he lives but after his death let the assembly honour him with fitting honours but if on his return home he appear to have been corrupted pretending to be wise when he is not let him hold no communication with any one whether young or old and if he will hearken to the rulers then he shall be permitted to live as a private individual but if he will not let him die if he be convicted in a court of law of interfering about education and the laws and if he deserve to be indicted and none of the magistrates indict him let that be counted as a disgrace to them when the rewards of virtue are decided let such be the character of the person who goes abroad and let him go abroad under these conditions in the next place the stranger who comes from abroad should be received in a friendly spirit now there are four kinds of strangers of whom we must make some mention the first is he who comes and stays throughout the summer this class are like birds of passage taking wing in pursuit of commerce and flying over the sea to other cities while the season lasts he shall be received in market-places and harbours and public buildings near the city but outside by those magistrates who are appointed to superintend these matters and they shall take care that a stranger whoever he be duly receives justice but he shall not be allowed to make any innovation they shall hold the intercourse with him which is necessary and this shall be as little as possible the second kind is just a spectator who comes to see with his eyes and hear with his ears the festivals of the muses such ought to have entertainment provided them at the temples by hospitable persons and the priests and ministers of the temple should see and attend to them but they should not remain more than a reasonable time let them see and hear that for the sake of which they came and then go away neither having suffered nor done any harm the priests shall be their judges if any of them receive or do any wrong up to the sum of fifty drachmae but if any greater charge be brought in such cases the suit shall come before the wardens of the agora the third kind of stranger is he who comes on some public business from another land and is to be received with public honours he is to be received only by the generals and commanders of horse and foot and the host by which he is entertained in conjunction with the prytanes shall have the sole charge of what concerns him there is a fourth class of persons answering to our spectators who come from another land to look at ours in the first place such visits will be rare and the visitor should be at least fifty years of age he may possibly be wanting to see something that is rich and rare in other states or himself to show something in like manner to another city let such an one then go unbidden to the doors of the wise and rich being one of them himself let him go for example to the house of the superintendent of education confident that he is a fitting guest of such a host or let him go to the house of some of those who have gained the prize of virtue and hold discourse with them both learning from them and also teaching them and when he has seen and heard all he shall depart as a friend taking leave of friends and be honoured by them with gifts and suitable tributes of respect these are the customs according to which our city should receive all strangers of either sex who come from other countries and should send forth her own citizens showing respect to zeus the god of hospitality not forbidding strangers at meals and sacrifices as is the manner which prevails among the children of the nile nor driving them away by savage proclamations 
when a man becomes surety let him give the security in a distinct form acknowledging the whole transaction in a written document and in the presence of not less than three witnesses if the sum be under a thousand drachmae and if not less than five witnesses if the sum be above a thousand drachmae the agent of a dishonest or untrustworthy seller shall himself be responsible both the agent and the principal shall be equally liable if a person wishes to find anything in the house of another he shall enter naked or wearing only a short tunic and without a girdle having first taken an oath by the customary gods that he expects to find it there he shall then make his search and the other shall throw open his house and allow him to search things both sealed and unsealed and if a person will not allow the searcher to make his search he who is prevented shall go to law with him estimating the value of the goods after which he is searching and if the other be convicted he shall pay twice the value of the article if the master be absent from home the dwellers in the house shall let him search the unsealed property and on the sealed property the searcher shall set another seal and shall appoint any one whom he likes to guard them during five days and if the master of the house be absent during a longer time he shall take with him the wardens of the city and so make his search opening the sealed property as well as the unsealed and then together with the members of the family and the wardens of the city he shall seal them up again as they were before there shall be a limit of time in the case of disputed things and he who has had possession of them during a certain time shall no longer be liable to be disturbed as to houses and lands there can be no dispute in this state of ours but if a man has any other possessions which he has used and openly shown in the city and in the agora and in the temples and no one has put in a claim to them and some one says that he was looking for them during this time and the possessor is proved to have made no concealment if they have continued for a year the one having the goods and the other looking for them the claim of the seeker shall not be allowed after the expiration of the year or if he does not use or show the lost property in the market or in the city but only in the country and no one offers himself as the owner during five years at the expiration of the five years the claim shall be barred for ever after or if he uses them in the city but within the house then the appointed time of claiming the goods shall be three years or ten years if he has them in the country in private and if he has them in another land there shall be no limit of time or prescription but whenever the owner finds them he may claim them if any one prevents another by force from being present at a trial whether a principal party or his witnesses if the person prevented be a slave whether his own or belonging to another the suit shall be incomplete and invalid but if he who is prevented be a free man besides the suit being incomplete the other who has prevented him shall be imprisoned for a year and shall be prosecuted for kidnapping by any one who pleases and if any one hinders by force a rival competitor in gymnastic or music or any other sort of contest from being present at the contest let him who has a mind inform the presiding judges and they shall liberate him who is desirous of competing and if they are not able and he who hinders the other from competing wins the prize then they shall give the prize of victory to him who is prevented and inscribe him as the conqueror in any temples which he pleases and he who hinders the other shall not be permitted to make any offering or inscription having reference to that contest and in any case he shall be liable for damages whether he be defeated or whether he conquer 
if any one knowingly receives anything which has been stolen he shall undergo the same punishment as the thief and if a man receives an exile he shall be punished with death every man should regard the friend and enemy of the state as his own friend and enemy and if any one makes peace or war with another on his own account and without the authority of the state he like the receiver of the exile shall undergo the penalty of death and if any fraction of the city declare war or peace against any the general shall indict the authors of this proceeding and if they are convicted death shall be the penalty those who serve their country ought to serve without receiving gifts and there ought to be no excusing or approving the saying men should receive gifts as the reward of good but not of evil deeds for to know which we are doing and to stand fast by our knowledge is no easy matter the safest course is to obey the law which says do no service for a bribe and let him who disobeys if he be convicted simply die with a view to taxation for various reasons every man ought to have had his property valued and the tribesmen should likewise bring a register of the yearly produce to the wardens of the country that in this way there may be two valuations and the public officers may use annually whichever consideration they deem the best whether they prefer to take a certain portion of the whole value or of the annual revenue after subtracting what is paid to the common tables touching offerings to the gods a moderate man should observe moderation in what he offers now the land and the hearth of the house of all men is sacred to all gods wherefore let no man dedicate them a second time to the gods gold and silver whether possessed by private persons or in temples are in other cities provocative of envy and ivory the product of a dead body is not a proper offering brass and iron again are instruments of war but of wood let a man bring what offering he likes provided it be a single block and in like manner of stone to the public temples of woven work let him not offer more than one woman can execute in a month white is a colour suitable to the gods especially in woven works but dyes should only be used for the adornments of war the most divine of gifts are birds and images and they should be such as one painter can execute in a single day and let all other offerings follow a similar rule end of book twelve part one